The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, of course, liking to be right on top of things, right, uh, bringing you commentary, uh, on things that are happening in the headlines right now. We're going to be talking today about Netanyahu. And um, I'm calling the show Netanyahu the Canary in the Coal Mine because that is exactly what he is. And although Obama would like to call him the boy who cried wolf or the prophet of doom, in fact, his speech today in front of Congress showed us that, uh, that he is the canary in the coal mine. And the canary is trying to sing and warn us very eloquently, in fact, um, and now it's up to us to listen and get out of that mind. So my guest, I'm happy to have back on Dr. Carol's couch. His name is David Rubin. He is speaking to us from Israel. Uh, he is the founder and president of the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund. He's the former mayor of Shiloh, and he's the author of four books. We've talked about some of the, uh, his previous ones in the past, and now his latest one is called Sparks from Zion. So welcome to the show, David. Well, thank you, Dr. Carroll. Good to be with you. Well, I, I watched the whole speech today, as of course I'm positive you did as well. Um, I don't know. I know they, ma- they made mention um, of the fact that there, there's a five-minute delay in Israel. Do you, what can you tell us about that? Did you know about that? Uh, no, I'm not sure about that. Um, they a, they mentioned that there was a five-second delay because um, someone or other, I'm not sure, it didn't really, they didn't really say who, but that there was going to be, that was to cut out anything that seemed too political because of the elections coming up in Israel. Well, uh, actually, I, I, I did hear something about that, but I'm not sure what it actually was. And um, I'm not sure I know if there's they... about a five-second delay on our phone calls. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, but, but I, I didn't hear of that one, no. Huh. Um, well, tell me, what did you think about the whole speech? Well, um, the, the speech was, accomplished what it needed to accomplish. I mean, uh, you, you never know for sure until, until uh, a couple of days after, or maybe even a couple of weeks after, uh, but but the way it looks right now, uh, the prime minister accomplished exactly what he was trying to accomplish, and what his intention was in coming to Washington, which was to sound a very clear warning in a very eloquent way about the threat that Israel is facing from nuclear Iran, and uh, and to try to, as best as he can, to torpedo a bad deal that 
may be signed between the United States and Iran. Yes. Um, yes, it's it's kind of ironic that, you know, I know that the uh, the speech was postponed um, several times, and it's it's uh, ironic, and and um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, just as this he was giving the speech, they were of course talking in these meetings in Switzerland, um, Kerry and and uh, leaders from Iran about the deal. I mean, it's interesting. You know, I just kind of pictured them <laughs> sitting around the television set um, watching this speech. Uh, you know, and having a reaction to it, and it, right in the throes of their decide making all these decisions about the deal. Right, right. Kind of had that image of of Kerry and the Ayatollahs, yeah. uh, sitting sitting there and and watching it and drinking some beers and eating popcorn. <laughs> um, yeah, look, look the, the. I mean, I'm joking about it, but we are talking about. Have to really, you really have to put this into perspective. We're talking about uh, radical Islamist leaders. We're talking about people who who believe only in exporting the Islamic, what they call the Islamic Revolution, uh, around the world and threatening everyone, not just in the free world, but in the not free world also. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saudi Arabia was cheering on Netanyahu. Do do you know how significant that is? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so, this is a country, Saudi Arabia, that is as as repressive as they come in the Islamic world. And um, yeah, I know I know that's not saying much because the Islamic world itself is very oppressive. Uh, but they 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 are quite an, an oppressive country. Uh, they they oppress women. They don't allow women to drive. They don't allow women to leave the country without a husband or brother's permission. Uh, they allow men to beat their wives. Uh, but that that is just the way it is in the Islamic world. Uh, and they certainly don't say anything positive about an Israeli leader. They, they, they just never would. That is, that is a, a, a tab, taboo in the Islamic world. Uh, but Saudi Arabia was cheering on Prime Minister Netanyahu because they know what a threat Iran is to every country in the Middle East. And uh, so the Saudi Arabians, the Jordanians, uh, the Kuwaitis, all, all of these countries were cheering on Prime Minister Netanyahu. And not just that, uh, they are quite disgruntled with the way the Obama administration has been handling the relationship uh, with Israel and, uh, and specifically on the the Iran issue. So um, there, there was a, an editorial or, or a, an article written in one of the main, main newspapers in Saudi Arabia, which is, as we know, controlled by the Saudi Arabian regime. And it and that article uh, praised Prime Minister Netanyahu and criticized President Obama hmm. uh, for not standing up to Iran. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yes, Netanyahu talked about that, 
how um, Iran is gobbling up countries in the Middle East, his words, gobbling up nations, actually, he said, um, because of this void that has been formed because of ISIS and because of all the um, unrest and so on in in different countries, um, Iran has stepped in to fill up that space. you know, if we if we go down, um, go through the speech. Well, first of all, the entrance was amazing. Um, did did they? I presume they showed that. As we saw that, right? Uh, sure, sure. It was like a star coming into um, uh, into a, a Hollywood event. Yes, everybody Just, uh, was um, phenomenal. Tra- tra- clapping and shaking his hand, trying to shake his hand and clapping for a very long time and, and standing. And, um, you know, the commentators here said it was like a State of a- the Union address. This was before he even said anything. And he was so in- incredibly eloquent and, and, um, and right on. And, um, I-, I mean, you know, it made me jealous. It made me wish that he was the president of the United States rather than the prime minister of Israel. I mean, I'm glad he's the prime minister of Israel, but I guess I wish I jealous that we didn't have somebody who was that that thoughtful, that intelligent, that willing to speak his mind, that aggressive, aggressive in a positive way, assertive. He actually he said um, before the speech, he said Americans are concerned about the security of their country. Israelis are concerned about the survival of their country, and um, you know that just really lays it out. Yeah, it's a it's a very clear distinction uh, that that most Americans are not aware of that Israel is a tiny country. You know, we we, we may loom large in the news and. You know, in my book, in my book Sparks for Zion, it's it's basically a survey of a year and a half of Israel in the news, hmm. and and Israel looms large in the news. Where 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 we're always in the news, we're always in the front pages, and why is that? You know, we have this, this tiny country, um, you know, and and sometimes people forget that that. Uh, this Goliath that they're busy criticizing, Israel, is actually a little David. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're a tiny country, uh, n- not even the size of the state of New Jersey. Mm. And, and when, uh, when everyone looks at us, so they, they, they think that we're this powerful country. Well, you know, we're powerful for a country... Uh, barely the size of New Jersey, but we are only barely the size of New Jersey. Well, that's and, true, uh, but, and, uh, but with all the different, bomb, um, go ahead. All it takes is one bomb uh-huh. to to blow up all of Israel. The Iranian yeah. just the Iranians just said it a few days ago that they could destroy Israel in ten minutes. So 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 yes, uh, our survival. Uh, is is very much uh, questionable, and and we we always have that in mind. Every Israeli understands that that we could be destroyed in one minute, and that that is why we cannot afford to just sit back, as President Obama and John Kerry seem to to be very content to do, uh, to just sit back and kind of watch this process move along. And and hope that that a deal is going to work. Uh, we can't hope. We have to know. 
Well, and I thought that Netanyahu was very good at making it clear that this wasn't just about Israel, though. Yes, you know, the survival of Israel, but Iran doesn't want to stop at Israel. I mean, he, he um, said that they're... Uh, the leader of Iran, one of the leaders had said that they're glad that um, if all the Jews come to Israel, that'll make it easier for them because they won't have to go chasing, chasing them all over the globe. They can just wipe them out in Israel. Uh, but, but Netanyahu made the point, I thought really well several times, that it's not just about Israel being wiped off the map. It's, it's you know, um, Iran is going to, that's just the stepping stone, you know, that's just in, in their backyard in the first strike. But really, of course, the whole plan is to, to take over the whole world, to take over America, of course, and, and the rest of the world. Well, if anyone doubts that, all they have to do is look at what program is really going on in Iran. It's, it's not only a nuclear program. There are, there are two simultaneous projects taking place in Iran as we speak. And one is to acquire the nuclear bomb, nuclear capability, uh, which is done through the enrichment of uranium and other sources uh, and other strategies. Uh, but there's a simultaneous process going on to acquire the capability to launch intercontinental missiles, mm -hmm. uh, which, which, which are long-range missiles, that would be able to reach the United States. Now, I Iran doesn't need those missiles to attack Israel. They, they already have the missiles that they need to attack Israel. Uh, they just don't have nuclear capability yet, but, but they, they do have the missiles to attack Israel. Uh, but they are frantically at work building these intercontinental ballistic missiles, uh, which can only be used to attack countries that, that are quite a distance away, uh, such as the United States. So it's true. They don't make public announcements as they do about destroying Israel in 10 minutes. They, they don't make public announcements that they're going to destroy the United States in 10 minutes or that they have the capability to destroy the United States in 10 minutes. Uh, but the actions speak louder than the words, and they are frantically at work trying to develop that capability through which they can destroy the United States as well as other Western countries. Yes, and Netanyahu made the point that, that isn't the missiles aspect of that isn't even under negotiation in, as far as this deal. That's true. It's, it's not something that's being included. And part, part of the problem with the, this nuclear deal is that there are quite a few things that are not included. Uh, there's one nuclear plant that is not included in the deal at all. It's not even mentioned. Uh, there's <clears throat> the enrichment capability. And uh, just you know, for those who, of your listeners who aren't aware, uh, the, the whole process of the enrichment of uranium, uh, that is a process that leads towards nuclear weapons. It's not... It's not something that's needed for a country that just wants to have nuclear power, that wants to have nuclear power for peaceful purposes. They, they, those countries don't need to enrich uranium. Hmm. Uh, but uh, a country like Iran that is frantically at work in your enriching uranium, uh, the purpose is only for nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So yes. let there be no doubt about it. it. It should be very clear to everybody what the goal is, what what the Iranians are really intending. Yes. Um, you know, God, there's so many... Um, well, there there I love the the reference that he made. I have to make sure we talk about this. Um, he made the reference to to a Persian bazaar, how we need to call their bluff, you know, how like in a Persian bazaar the whole it's it's accepted part of what you do is to haggle. You don't just take the first price. <laughs> you in fact, you pretend you're going to leave that that's not that price isn't acceptable. You're not going to pay that price for a certain item. And so you're going to leave and you pretend to leave or you do leave and then you come back. Um, and so that's what he was saying. You know, you have to kind of uh, meet them in the way that they think. So you have to call their bluff. And he was saying that they need, uh, Iran needs the deal more than we do um, because of the sanctions. Yeah, well, that's, that's very true. And, but but you, you wouldn't know that looking at the negotiations from the outside. Uh, the the Iranians have um, have been making very clear public announcements that uh, that indicate that the United States is actually the country that is really asking for an agreement and the, even begging for an agreement and uh, and that that actual quote uh, comes from uh, one of the leading Iranian politicians who who is speaking to Parliament in Iran. And that's what he said, that the Americans are begging for an agreement. Yes. Well, we'll talk more about this when we come back. My guest is David Rubin. We're talking to him from Israel. And, of course, I want to ask you um, what the reaction is in Israel to uh, Netanyahu's speech. We're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Netanyahu, his speech to Congress. That was a little earlier today. And he is indeed the canary in the coal mine that we need to listen to. My guest today, who we also need to listen to, is David Rubin. He's the author of four books. Uh, his latest one is Sparks from Zion. He is the founder and president of Shiloh Israel Children's Fund. He's the former mayor of Shiloh, and he's speaking to us from Israel. And that's what I want to ask you first. What has been the reaction to, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you my reaction. I was in tears for a lot of it. I was so, I felt so much pride. He was so eloquent. He was so, you know, he, he was telling it like it was. He was trying to, you could tell his heart was in the right place as far as not just for Israel, but he was, he was warning us about the whole world going down in nuclear flame. Um, if we don't do something more and better than that deal um, with Israel, with Israel, with Iran, well, saving Israel's survival, but the fact that this would affect the whole world. So what was the reaction in Israel? Well, first of all, let me just say that, uh, that, that it, it really was remarkable uh, that the prime minister, uh, he actually, he, yes, his, he makes it clear that his number one purpose is to save Israel uh, from from this terrible threat. Uh, at the same time, he really does care about the United States and Western civilization, and and he he clearly seemed to uh, express that that connection between the two. Yes, it's it's not just Israel in isolation. It's it's Israel and American or Western civilization or Judeo-Christian civilization, if you will. And I think that the that the folks in Congress really understood that as well. Uh, the, the 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 people who were uh, standing on a, I, I realized that there were about fifty-five members of of Congress of uh, the Democratic Party that. That were not there, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, um, conspicuously absent. But uh, but except for several several uh, quite noticeable individuals, uh, everyone else was giving standing ovations. And I think the reason is because it it touches the hearts of Americans uh, to to see that there is that clear connection between Israel's survival. Israel standing up and fighting against uh, these Islamic terrorists, uh, whether they're supported by by, a quasi-electoral system or not, uh, they they are still Islamic terrorists, and they're they're looking to export that Islamic terrorism, and not just looking to do so, they are doing so. Uh, There's no country other than Iran that exports... Uh, terrorism to to the extent that they do. Uh, so I, I think Americans instinctively understand that. Now, as as far as Israel and and Israeli citizens and the reaction, uh, I'm I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot of uh, surveys that'll be taken uh, tonight and tomorrow morning. Uh, it's it's actually quite late at night here, uh, so the. 
the the pollsters are not um, are not really that hard at work yet. Uh, they will be in the morning, I'm sure, uh, surveying the Israeli public to see how successful the speech was from the Israeli side. Uh, but but uh, again, uh, it is the purpose. Well, well, just in the people that you spoke to, I I mean, I'm sure you've been speaking to people since the speech. What kind of reaction, just in your experience, have you been getting? Well, there have been very positive responses. Uh, There there are a lot of people who are saying that that Netanyahu accomplished what he wanted to accomplish, as I I said, and and that he he really weaved it together in a, a very impressive way. Uh, he also played it politically right. Uh, the, the, that the uh, that he he addressed the the criticisms uh, that that it was turned the speech was turned into a partisan issue. Uh, so he spoke about the Democrats. He he praised the Democrats who were there, and he and he he, he thanked he Obama for President you know Obama. a lot of things that he did to help Israel. That's right. Even and and I and I, I, I frankly I think he was exaggerating a bit, <laughs> uh, and I and I think he was doing so for for the specific purpose of yes. of showing that that it is not a partisan issue that Israel's Israel is not a partisan issue, nor is uh, combating Islamic terrorism a partisan issue. Uh, but but you in Israel you. Uh, there, there are those who are praising the speech, and there are those who are criticizing it. And, but that doesn't mean that they don't realize that it was an impressive speech. Uh, they just won't admit it. And why can't they admit it? Because there are elections in two weeks in Israel. Well, yes, and I, I've been reading that, um, that, in fact, you say that, um, that Obama has sent people into Israel um, political strategists into Israel to help the uh, candidate against Netanyahu. Yes, well, of course, we, we don't have any actual proof. Uh, the, you know, the politicians are too slick for that very often. Uh, but but they, uh, it, it's clear that, uh, that there, there are uh, people in Israel. Okay, Jeremy Bird, who was who uh, was Obama's main field director in the 2012 campaign? Uh, he he is running the operation against Netanyahu. You know, it's called the uh, uh, you know just just make a switch campaign, hmm. um, or otherwise known as the anyone but BB campaign. Uh-huh. And the uh, the purpose is just to get Netanyahu out. And uh, at any expense, at any cost. And so, essentially, it's American dollars, American taxpayer dollars, or well, the, well somebody's those, dollars. Those, uh, well, let's be let's be more specific. Uh, there is an organization, and it's called V15. Otherwise, in, you know, in other words, uh, Victory in 2015, mm. and and it's um, and. It, it's it's working hand in hand with another organization uh, called Voices Israel that is that is getting heavy funding has been getting heavy funding from the State Department from the U.S. State Department 
and they 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 say that that funding has ceased. Uh, but meanwhile, they are partnering with V15, and which is run by Obama's uh, ex-field director in 2012. So uh, we we don't have any any emails or um, you know no smoking gun that says that that uh, that Obama sent uh, this individual and uh, that Obama is orchestrating this from behind the scenes. Uh, but the, the the circumstantial evidence does seem to point to to um, either Obama or his surrogates somehow being involved. Yes, yes, which you know, and and of course he's always been so disrespectful to Netanyahu. Um, you know, not even visiting with him, meeting with him this time and other times in the past, he's been incredibly disrespectful. Um, and yet, I, I know that kind of bothered me too. That was the only part that I, and I, I know he kind of had to do it to think. I mean, I guess there are things that Obama did that, like he said, um, um, uh, you know, for, that some, well, he didn't exactly specify exactly what, but that there were things that Obama was involved with that helped Israel. But yes, that kind of bothered me uh, that, that he was giving him that much credit. But, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to, to talk with you about was, um, and I, I hope that this didn't, I mean, I don't think it went over people's heads, but um, there, at the end of the speech, um, Netanyahu was really pretty, you know, clear um, that he, he said the days when Israel uh, remains passive in the face of genocidal enemies, these days are over. And then he said, um, the first, it's the first time in a hundred generations the Jewish people can defend ourselves. Even if Israel has to stand alone, Israel will stand. But Israel doesn't stand alone. Israel, you stand with us because, and I'm, I took notes, so I'm sort of paraphrasing, um, because it's not just Israel, but the human spirit that's at risk here, that's in danger here. Um, you know, so basically what he was saying was, that if you guys, you know, screw up and make this deal and put us all in danger, Israel, well, Israel, Israel's survival in danger, we're going to stand up for ourselves and do something, which, you know, implies a nuclear bomb on Israel's part, right? Well, or some kind of, uh, was, if not a nuclear was, bomb, then some, some kind of aggressive move to stop correct, Iran. Correct, correct. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, Clearly, what was implied there was, and and he was he was very, um, uh, he sort sort of hinted at it. He did he didn't actually say it. Yes. And and he he wouldn't actually say it. But mm-hmm. uh, the the clear message was that Israel is prepared uh, to to launch a preemptive strike against Iran if if need be, and the what, what he. You know, the implied message was that we will do everything in our power not to have to do that, but if we're left with no choice, then we're going to defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that and that was the clear message that uh, that I think came across for those who were listening carefully. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's been talk for a long time about whether Israel might launch a preemptive strike, and there were there were rumors going around that. Uh, that uh, some time ago that Netanyahu did want to launch a preemptive strike or did feel the need to, uh, but that Obama rejected the idea and didn't give him uh, 
the the bunker busting bombs that that were needed. Mm. Uh, so, so you know, this was uh, you know all, all all of the rumors that were floating around uh, maybe half a year ago to a year ago. Uh, but since then, uh, these negotiations started with Iran, and they've been moving full speed ahead. And uh, so, so Israel was kind of pushed to the side by the Obama administration, and and not um, recently has had less and less say over what is happening in those negotiations. And uh, I believe that that is the main thing that prompted Netanyahu to come to Washington and. Uh, the, he, he got a lot of criticism, and it continues to get criticism from the left side of the political spectrum in Israel. Then uh, you know uh, Yitzhak Herzog, uh, who is Netanyahu's main opponent in this election, and the, you know, but it's 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 disingenuous because Herzog has been saying uh, that he agrees with Netanyahu about the threat from Iran. Uh, but but that it's the, it's still the wrong thing, and uh, he he says that the the, the speech was very impressive, uh, but that it's still the wrong thing to do, and it but but it's all politics. That, that that's the real problem here. Uh, that it's all politics, and since we're going to elections in Israel in two weeks, so they they can't praise his speech because if they praise his mm. speech, then they're going to help him in the election. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think that any any of the Israeli criticism of Netanyahu uh, has to be taken with a grain of salt, and I think we, we really need to just examine the content of the speech, what he set out to accomplish, and whether he may have accomplished that. And the main thing that uh, once again that he set out to accomplish was to get Iran on the front pages was to get people talking about these negotiations and yes. how dangerous these negotiations are. Yes. Uh, that That's what he wanted to do, uh, because otherwise the negotiations would just be going on quietly. And, yes, yes. And it may, maybe would get, you know, page 15 in the New York Times, but it, it would not be front page news. Yes. Uh, but and now also, of course, Iran to... is front page news. Yes, and also, of course, to make sure that Congress understands exactly what's at stake here. He talked about how this the deal that uh, Kerry is in the process of negotiating paves, doesn't stop Iran. It paves Iran's path to the bomb. bomb. It doesn't stop Iran from creating the bomb, um, but it paves, it paves Iran's path to the bomb. And um, he talked about, you know, there were two main issues. Um, he talked about that, that the... Um, that the deal allows doesn't take into consideration um, the breakout time. That right now the breakout time, the time to to make a nuclear bomb, is less than a year um, because there are all these these. Um, uh, it's not dissembling the structure that's that's you know enriching the uranium as you were talking about. Um, it's leaving the structure intact. And it's not really doing anything to to curtail that. And then he talked about how the inspectors only document violations; they don't stop the violations. Um, he said Iran Iran is sort of playing hide and cheat. That um, there were at least two facilities that were hidden. 
that even the inspectors didn't know about. In other words, Iran can't be trusted. And, of course, I mean, that's the bottom line, isn't it? That, you know, it almost doesn't make, it's almost sort of a fool's errand to try to make any deal at all. I mean, and he said, no deal is better than the deal that they have, because if you can't make a deal with somebody that you can't trust, because they can agree to whatever and, and do what they still want to do and what they've warned the world that they want to do, um, and continue going in that direction behind everybody's back. Yes, but we have to make sure that, uh, that, that it looks good. Uh, because because uh, Obama wants this agreement to be the the shining crown of his administration, and that and that uh, that's the real issue here. And I, I mean, no one is uh, is talking about that. It, uh, there was so much criticism in the past few weeks about uh, Netanyahu uh, playing politics, trying to uh, just pander to the Israeli electorate and to to use the the American Congress to help him get votes in the upcoming elections. And there, there was all kinds of criticism about how Speaker Boehner uh, just also trying to just play politics and make Obama look bad and make the Democrats look bad uh, by inviting Netanyahu. Uh, well, that they they do look bad at this point, but but it's not because of Boehner and it's not because of Netanyahu. Well, we need to, we're getting the signal here that oh, we need oh, to take okay. another I, break. I, I thought that we were going to a break. Yes, but. we are. So we will continue right where you left off when we after we take the break. Um, my guest is David Rubin. In this last uh, segment, I will be telling you how you can find out more about him and his books and so on. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. We're talking about Netanyahu's speech today. And he is indeed the canary in the coal mine. So stay tuned. Um, I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Kara Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carroll wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarroll.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarroll.com How do you achieve the utmost success in your life, career, faith, relationships, and more? It's all here in The Business of Living with host Scott Ventrella. Scott has experience as an executive coach, sought-after speaker, and lecturer. 
He and his guests will offer practical solutions and strategies to help you move to the next level of success, no matter where you are in your life and career. The Business of Living airs live every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at one 866 472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. With me today from Israel is David Rubin. Um, he is the founder and president of the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund. He's also the former mayor of Shiloh, and he's the author of four books, including his latest one, which is hot off the presses, called Sparks from Zion, and I'll be giving you his website, and you'll be able to find out more about all of these things. Um, before the break, you were talking about the Democrats and how they, their reaction um, has been making them look bad. Well, that's true. They, the, the, the Democrats kind of put themselves in a corner. Uh, they, once it was clear that the speech was going to happen, uh, the the question became, or at least one of the main questions in my in in my eyes became, well, are the Democrats going to be at the speech, and and are they going to be uh, listening to the content of what the prime minister says, and are they going to react to that in a positive way? Uh, that 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 really became the question. Uh, and you know it didn't have to be uh this way where where they they were just lining up behind the president um you know my president um like it or not um you know my president good or bad you know uh, the, yes you can respect the president but you can disagree with the president you can respect the leader of your party but you can disagree with the leader of your party and and uh, this is an issue, uh, which is an issue that that really required uh, some people, and, and there were there were some members of the Democratic Party, um, uh, such as Menendez and Schumer, uh, who who stood up loudly and and said that well the president is wrong on this issue, and they're they're going to be at the speech and they're they're going to be. Uh, listening carefully to what the prime minister says, uh, but there were many other Democrats that didn't, and, and I think that they kind of boxed themselves in a corner and created a situation uh, that that became very partisan and it didn't have to be that way. It certainly wasn't the prime minister who was creating that partisan atmosphere. Yes, yes. In a lot of ways, he tried to uh, make the point that this isn't a partisan issue. It's about our survival, everybody's. And in fact, that was the second part that he talked about in as far as what was wrong with the deal. Um, one was leaving the structures in place to continue to produce, to enrich uranium, that we're not really stopping anything. And um, 
and because there are 19,000 centrifuges already operating right now enriching uranium, and Iran leaders have said that they want 190,000, and this um, deal isn't going to really stop them from that. But then also um, there's the issue of the, the deadline, the expiration. This deal, um, even to the extent that people think that it's going to do anything, it expires in 10 years, and Netanyahu made the point that Ten years may seem like a long time uh, in political years, you know, but it's it's just a blink um, for our children. I mean, we, for the time of the world, for the time, the, you know, the existence of the free world, that um, nothing much is going to be changing in, in ten years. Um, Iran is not going to be able, is not going to change um, their whole, you know, what, what makes them, what makes them tick, what makes them, what, what motivates them. Um, in fact, he talked about, how, and this is interesting, he talked about how Iran and ISIS, and of course, you know, I mean, where you are and where he is, I mean, in Israel it's even easier to kind of see how this is happening um, than a lot of people watching this in the States. But Iran and ISIS are competing to head Islam. And he talked about, and Netanyahu talked about how the enemy of your enemy in this case is not your friend, it's your enemy. In other words, just because Iran and ISIS are fighting each other and we know ISIS is our enemy, it doesn't make Iran our friend. Well, that's correct. And I, uh, this, this, it sounds very similar to, uh, to uh, a quote that I always make, which is, uh, re- relates to my, my previous book, The Islamic Tsunami, uh, that what, what we have basically is two different forces in the Middle East. We have the, the, the Sunni Muslims, you know, the most extreme of the Sunni Muslims, such as ISIS, and we have the Shiite Muslims, uh, the, the, the most extreme of the Shiite Muslims being Iran. And they happen to be the two strongest forces in the Middle East today. Uh, and, and, and those two forces in the, in the Islamic world, ISIS on one hand, representing the Sunnis, and, and Iran representing the Shiites, or ostensibly representing uh, the Shiites. Uh, those two forces are, are battling it out, not, to, not because they have different ideologies. They both believe in jihad. They both believe in holy war against all non-Muslims, uh, including those Muslims who disagree with them. Uh, but they're, they're fighting it out to see who is going to lead the Islamic tsunami, who is going to lead that attempt to take over the world, to destroy Western civilization and to take over. Uh, it's, it's not whether there's going to be an Islamic tsunami, it's, it's who is going to lead that Islamic tsunami. And that's where, the, that's where Iran and ISIS differ. Uh, but they don't differ in ideology. Mm-hmm. They're two heads of the same coin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what did you think? It also was kind of ironic in terms of timing of Netanyahu's speech, um, is that, that in that it's Purim this week. And he started off, <laughs> I thought that was really, boy, this is such a well-crafted speech in so many different ways and delivered so impeccably. But... Um, you know, he started off by talking about how this is the this week is the Jewish holiday of Purim, when uh, a Persian leader, what, what was it? Was it twenty? How many? Was it twenty five hundred years ago? 
Uh, yes, and we're 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 talking about um, about a, a holiday that we celebrate every year, and and uh, yes, it happened to fall on this exact week. Okay, so it starts the holiday of Purim starts tomorrow night, and and we we celebrate how uh, Queen Esther uh, managed to. Uh, to achieve through peaceful means, through through diplomacy, she managed to undo the evil intent of of the you know the that evil Persian um, leader known as known as Haman, and uh, so so we're in a, sim- a very similar situation today. Uh, the only difference is that Israel is a sovereign nation. Uh, but where we we're still trying to achieve, and Netanyahu, I must say, has has gone uh, perhaps even overboard in trying to achieve diplomatically uh, what what could be what probably could be accomplished militarily, uh, which is to stop the Iranian nuclear program. And he he really is he's pulling out all the stops. He's been doing it for several years. And has been trying to do every possible thing that he can through diplomacy to stop the Iranian nuclear program. And uh, I mean, it's it's commendable, and I, and one can only hope uh, that that he doesn't stretch the wire too thin, uh, because it, there may be a point at which Israel is going to have to launch a preemptive strike on Iran. Mm-hmm. Well, and he made the comparison, you know, he, it's, it's two Persian or Iranian, <laughs> Persian and now Iranian leaders um, trying to, to bring about the destruction of Israel. One, you know, during, uh, that's celebrated in the, in the holiday of Purim, the fact that we were able to stop that. And uh, now he said the difference is that Iranian leaders send out tweets <laughs> talking about annihilating Israel. Um, you know, it, sure. and well, that they, they weren't they, they weren't too um, uh, technologically capable at that point. Right. I don't think that uh, Queen Esther had her own Facebook page. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> but 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 they but the, the truth is that the concept is the same. Uh, it's a it's a matter of trying to uh, to achieve peace through diplomacy, but diplomacy with with a, a strong sense of self-preservation and common sense. Yes. And, um, of course, you know, he was talking about the sanctions, how um, they, should, they shouldn't be uplifted because then Iran would have more money to, to sponsor terrorism and, of course, to build um, nuclear arms and the missiles and so on. Um, and it just seems, it just, you know, this has been going on for so many years this this Iranian threat, and we we've been taking such a um, uh, a whippy <laughs> approach to it. And the more years that that go by, while well, we're talking about you know these these deals that really don't have any teeth in them, um, the more time this is this is all in their favor because they're using this time to to prepare to get more prepared for uh nuclear war and with the missiles and being able to not just hit Israel and and other countries 
um, in the Middle East, but of course America and the Western world. Um, you know, but it's just tick, tick, tock. You know, it's, I, I've been, I remember the first time hearing about this years ago, and, and sanctions obviously have not been strong enough. They need to be stronger rather than talking about um, stopping them or minimizing them. They need to be much stronger. And he made the point about oil, you know, that, that yes, now that there um, is more oil and gas prices are lower and, and there's, there's, you know, Iran and it's not so much the, these countries can't really hold over us as much as they were able to. Um, you know, the fact that they have the oil that we want because over the years we have been tr- making other, um, you know, other, finding other means of getting the oil that we need. And, and so, so it's not that economic um, power that they have isn't really as much as, as it once was. And we should take advantage of that and, and squeeze them tighter with these sanctions is, is one thing that he was suggesting. Yeah. Uh, he's saying that, that because of the, the, the change in the economic situation and uh, the drastic lowering of the price of oil, uh, that now is an opportunity that sanctions can actually work, mm-hmm. and it can actually be much more effective than it has been in the past, and and it, it was effective to some extent, uh, but that that it would be much more effective now at applying pressure, and that, so so he's encouraging those sanctions at this time, and and it it happens to be something that Congress has been discussing, and. Uh, you know, they they had that that trigger uh, that's supposed to go into effect on March 24th if if the if the deal is unacceptable. So Congress is trying to flex its muscles, and we'll see what actually happens. Mm-hmm. Now I want to make sure we give out your website <coughs> so that uh, people can can look at first of all the what the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund has been doing, and your other books. Um, so the website is davidrubinisrael.com. David Rubin is spelled R-U-B-I-N, Israel.com. Well, David, as always, you're the voice of um, sanity and wisdom, and thank you so much. Um, I want to close with the words that uh, Netanyahu uh, used at the end of his speech, where where he pointed to a picture of Moses um, in Congress and on the walls in Congress, and he said, "Moses said, be strong and resolute, neither fear nor dread them." And that's obviously what we need to do. We need to listen to Netanyahu as the canary in the coal mine, and. Um, and not be not believe people who really can't be trusted. So, David Rubin, thank you so much for um, joining me and and uh, on Dr. Carol's couch again. His website is davidrubinisrael.com. David Rubin, R-U-B-I-N, Israel.com. So, David, thank you, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.